What's up, Sugarfoots? Welcome to ELL224. Hey, have you guys checked out Zippix Toothpicks yet? Because if you haven't, you are a fool and a moron. Z-I-P-P-I-X Toothpicks.com. Longtime sponsor of the show. These things are awesome. I've told you about the nicotine-infused toothpicks they have. They've got like eight different flavors, two milligrams, three milligrams. Give you that hand-to-mouth feel. So if you're a smoker, a vapor, or just somebody that wants to get that little buzz when you're out drinking, these things are awesome. And uh, trust me, you, they can really help kind of, you know, curb that craving and hold it off a bit if you do need a cigarette or if you are somebody that does like that. Uh, A buddy might actually use them to help him get off vaping too, which is great. And they've got the B12 caffeine toothpicks help with the hangover. I can't say enough good about them. And the best part is, guys, you can get 10% off your order with promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R, ROAR, like a lion, at zippixtoothpicks.com. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. All right, welcome to Electric Liberty Land. I'm here with a guy you all, uh, I think you've become fairly well known uh, about. He's He's a fan of the show. He's a supporter of the show, but he's also a leader in the movement, somebody who we have come to love and adore. And of course, that is former state senator out of Maine, Eric Brakey. Eric, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, my friend. Hey, Brian, I'm glad to be back. I think it's my second time on the program and uh, glad to be with you. Yeah, man. Well, and, and you're you're casting from the uh, you said the Young Americans for Liberty offices right now, right? <laughs> yeah, I just borrowed uh, I just borrowed some space here where we can have some privacy. But yeah, you're in the Young Americans for Liberty <laughs> office in Austin, Texas. I figured that I couldn't have, be looking at your office. It looked nice. Those giant windows <laughs> with big pull down shades. I was like, this is too this is too. No, fancy no, no. My my, de- my desk is uh, has too many papers of unfinished projects sitting on it. So there's always a million <laughs> things I'm working. On. I. I never have a clean desk. Now that's a sign of a, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't know if a clean desk is a sign of a clean mind or it's, it's indicative of people that just push shit to get it out of the way. Right. There's two, (laughs) two theories on this. Like I try to keep my desk organized, but like one of those, I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, like keeping a tornado in a glass jar, you know, it's like, there's a lot going on here that definitely is, is without a doubt, not completely organized uh, any at any moment she could spin out and take out a trailer park yeah. but i understand I, I i bet you there's a there's a high correlation of those who with very messy desks and those who have way too many tabs open on their on their uh, oh, yeah. uh, online browser that that's me <laughs> i find that my stress level in life is, is directly proportionate to how many tabs i have open uh, 100% you know, on the man internet. That feeling of when you accidentally, you know, you're like surfing around, you accidentally hit the close button on the entire, the entire, uh, I don't even know, cascade of tabs. And you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? I'll never get them back. I'll never get all the tabs back. Personally, I I feel I feel a sense of relief when that happens, even if I know that it's going to be a pain in the ass. But it's just like suddenly like, oh, all right. I don't have to worry about those things for the moment. It's like when it's like when grandma dies, you're like, well, okay. We don't have to worry about taking care of her anymore. Let's just uh, plan the funeral. Too you morbid. That, not me. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so let's let's get into some stuff you're working on. Because I know, you know, uh, we were. What's funny is the way this come, came together for all of uh, our listeners out there. 
was kind of funny because Eric had uh, been posted about something about Clubhouse. And I was like, yo, man, tip me that Clubhouse invite. I got to get on there. But it was on St. Patty's Day. So I was completely shit-faced. I mean, like three sheets to the wind. I'd been out since 6 a.m. I was out with Jason Stapleton. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with Jason oh, Stapleton. Oh, yeah. I've been on yeah. his program once. I love Jason. Okay, yeah, yeah. Jason's awesome. So he's he's a friend of mine out here in L.A. too. So we were out early drinking. And uh, by the time I got home, I was just wrecked. So it came together. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go out of the show. It'll be great. I'll get a clubhouse. And then, you know, then time goes by. And, and Eric's like, hey, come on the show. I was like, oh, yeah. But I am happy to have you on the show. So tell me about what you got going on. You said you've had some nice wins for Liberty. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the with the gun stuff and go, like moving forward for constitutional carry and tying that into what's going on with Biden executive orders? Or do you want to start with the school choice wins you have? Because I love both of those topics to me are, are fascinating and I have a lot to a lot to add to the conversation. Well, we're making a here. Let's start with the big kind of school choice victory. Um, yep. So, of course, I work with Young Americans for Liberty. I'm a policy advisor and I work with what we call our Hazlitt Coalition, which is our coalition of 179 Liberty Ron Paul style state legislators that we have across the country now in 37 states. And is this never, just a, is this a, is this a Henry Hazlitt reference or is this somebody? Oh, named yeah. Hazlitt? Oh, yeah. It's, okay, it's, uh, right, awesome. We made sure love every it. single one of them has a copy of economics and one lesson. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, no, it's named after Henry Hazlitt. It's our Hazlitt coalition. This is something that is completely new, has never existed before, really it only kind of came into being over the last four years, because when I was in the state Senate in Maine, you know, you could count maybe the number of Ron Paul style legislators across the country in state capitals. If you were really generous, maybe you could count all 10 fingers on your two hands. Uh, but uh, there was nothing like this before. I, I, I kind of regret that this all came together after I, I left office because mm. I had to wander around, stumble around in the dark, try to figure out the best way to fight for liberty in the state capitol. I didn't have a whole support structure, but we've built that for all these liberty legislators who we've helped get elected. Our, our liberty activists through Young Americans for Liberty have been knocking, have knocked millions of doors across the country to get these folks elected. And now we're at a point where we have a critical mass of people. We're seeing things pay off. So in Kentucky recently, our, 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 our Liberty legislators pushed through a, 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 a major, um, major uh, school choice legislation um, uh, that was actually vetoed by the governor. But not only were our legislators championing this, our activists were working the phones, calling people's constituents, putting pressure on, you know, the squishy politicians to vote yeah. the right way. And um, uh, and we passed major school choice legislation in Kentucky. Well, the governor vetoed it. We quick. overturned his veto. That's yeah. that, I mean, that's amazing. And, and I got to think, I mean, when you talk to people, it always fascinates me because I have friends here in L.A. I've talked to about school choice, right, and about voucher systems. And they've actually tried to make an argument against me. And these are the most left of the left. But it simply is an argument that doesn't hold up under any level of scrutiny. If you try yeah. to argue that you shouldn't have school choice, you shouldn't put the power back in the hands of parents and that, there, that the outcomes aren't drastically different. Like I know Phoenix, for one, has school choice programs in place that you've seen the difference between minority groups and how much these kids excel with that school choice. So I'm curious to see, like, do any of these people when they make an outreach and I'm sure they work off a little bit of a script and they, and they know what they're talking about, but I have to think that when you, when you can reach people direct like that on the phone, there's, you know, there might be a little bit of pushback, but it must be a fairly easy win from a logical perspective. Once you can get somebody on the phone and just give them the basic facts of school choice. Right. Right. So it's um, uh, I, I think especially in this day and age uh, with everything that we've been through over the last year and people have seen how much the public school systems have been failing largely because 
of you know the unreasonable nature of the teachers unions mm-hmm. um where where everyone's going through the motions of the kids learning through this virtual learning but you know everyone knows the kids aren't really learning uh, that the system has been working but by, by the way sorry i'm just going to interject here real quick yeah. uh, in kentucky what where is the standard there did they go back to school did they are they still completely online learning or have they actually gone back to school earlier or later than you know i know california yeah it's still like it just, they just went back you know like they're just <laughs> going back now so it's been kind of crazy yeah yeah i i couldn't say for certain um uh what exact where exactly kentucky is in the you know whether or not the kids are back physically in school or not but i can tell you that uh the kids are going to be getting access to you know we passed we it passed a, a major like educational savings accounts legislation so oh, awesome the, the 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 state dollars were funding the students rather than the institutions uh, and and parents will have a lot of choice. And this is, of course, how you increase the quality of education is one, you you have competition so that the schools actually have to, you know, meet the standards that their customers, the, the families sending their students there uh, want, uh, but also a recognition that, you know, I think this is one of the beautiful things about school choice is, uh, you know, there's this idea that um, I think it's a, you know, a, a flawed idea that there is a, such a thing as you know, a perfect model of education when there isn't. Students learn differently. We need a diversity of different models that are available. But when you have everyone forced into kind of one system, uh, every school tries to aspire to be the same thing rather than trying to be the the best at a particular niche of of education. It's funny, you know, so, you know, again, to come back to LA here, just because I'm I'm in here and and I've had some experience with it because I've got a... a, um, well, my brother-in-law, who's much younger than me, actually, which is funny, but, um, you know, he had gone to a school in L.A. And you'll have all these people argue that, the, you know, the public schools need all the money and they, they, you know, teachers unions are the best thing in the world. Meanwhile, they all send their kids to private school if they have any money. And to your point, you know, it's the good and the bad of this, but it also comes to, you know, holding people accountable. There are these schools that are charter schools here that they have different methods of learning, which I agree completely. Right. It is very important. And, you know, I know for the, for me, you know, I was always able to glob onto things fairly quickly, but, you know, some children need different methods, different uh, patterns. Some people might be visual or audio-based learners, et cetera. My brother-in-law was actually at a school where they... <laughs> they were so progressive and this school cost an unbelievable amount of money, by the way, private school, unbelievable amount of money. And they never taught him to read. He was like, and this is, and they thought he had some learning disability, right? Because the super progressive school taught him all the other bullshit, you know, you know, how to treat other people and yada, yada, but never taught him to read. And as soon as they took him out of that school, he immediately learned how to read. No problem whatsoever. Point being though, is that, you know, whenever you get these people and nail them down, uh, that, to, that express all these viewpoints, like I was saying that public schooling is the only way to go, that you know, the, the worst among us have to be pushed into these public institutions, which to your point are never held accountable and yeah. are always basically uh, catering to either the lowest common denominator or or making something so generic that it can't possibly can't possibly educate everybody to the best possible uh, outcomes. Whenever they actually get to the point where they want to put their kids in schools, it's always a private school you know, or charter school, or they find some way to skirt the system to the point where rich people in LA will actually get apartments in better school districts to try to skirt this way, their way around it and, you know, place their kids. Yeah. So it's a million different ways to uh, get the best outcomes while denying it to these, these general population people. Yeah. And you would think that uh, on a certain level, people would recognize kind of the hypocrisy, <laughs> or at least they would recognize yeah. their own hypocrisy. Uh, I, I, 
you know, I don't know how these uh, these individuals get around kind of this uh, this having this realization that if it's, if it's good enough for their kids, it should be good enough for everyone's kids. They must be drunker than I am most of the time. That's the only thing I could think of, you know, just stay wasted and you don't have to think about these things. <laughs> so that's awesome. So so where else are you looking to do this? So you're, you've, you've accomplished this in Kentucky. Where else is Young Americans for Liberty looking to, to try to accomplish the same model? And is it basically something that you can take from one state and just apply it to the other state, or is it does it yeah. become far more nuanced depending on what their educational processes are and where they are legislatively? Yeah, um, uh, right now in Missouri, there's a major school choice battle that is being led by one of our our Hazlitt Coalition Liberty legislators, uh, Representative Phil Cristofanelli, uh, mm-hmm. who is uh, leading the charge on that, and that's got a very good shot of passing. There's some shenanigans going on in the Senate. Uh, but uh, it's 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 done very well in the House, and my understanding is the governor will sign it if it gets to his desk. So we're uh, we're we're working the phone lines there. We're uh, you know we're we're mobilizing our our Liberty Army of student activists. They're calling people's constituents. <laughs> We've identified who the squishy politicians are, and we're making sure they get that constituent pressure. Because I think this is the big lesson that everyone should know at the end of the day. I think that we as regular people often don't appreciate how much power we have in the legislative process. Uh, the politicians don't want you to know this, but they're actually pretty terrified of you because you're the only person with the uh, with the power under the Constitution to fire them come re-election season. So when politicians start hearing from enough of their constituents, and this is especially true when we're talking about state level politics, state legislative districts where the you know the constituencies are smaller, um, you know you start hearing from five, ten, twenty constituents on a particular issue, and you're a state legislator. You start to pay attention because you realize, right. geez, if 20 people are contacting me who care about this, how many people are out there who aren't yeah. contacting me who thinking care about, about this? it? Mm-hmm. And I need to start thinking about my reelection. So, you know, it's sad that that's uh, how politicians operate, but uh, that's the reality of it. And so we've got to uh, we've got to operate in that reality if we want to make liberty win. Yeah. Have you had any pushback from like local teachers unions, anything like that? Have you seen any any public campaigns? I'm curious to see what shady tactics are being done here. (laughs) Yeah. You know, teachers going out and hitting kids in the the legs with pipes as they're going door to door. (laughs) Well, obviously, we we see a lot of pushback from teachers unions because because I mean, frankly, and look, it's not necessarily the teachers. Uh, You know, many of the teachers are working hard, doing a great job. But uh, but the teachers unions are kind of they enjoy this monopoly system that they've been that they've been dealt where uh, I mean, frankly, you've got a lot of school systems where the teachers haven't really been teaching, but everyone's getting paid the same amounts because they're yeah. government employees. Um, you know, this would never be allowed to happen in a in the free market. You, you, you know, the system isn't providing the services for whatever reason. You don't get billed as a customer for services that weren't rendered. But that's not how it works in government. It's not how it works in the in the government-run schools as we've seen over the last year. So I think that a lot of parents are getting fed up with this because they they see how this is impacting their 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 children. And I think that we're really entering it kind of a you know, a revolution for school choice. So mm-hmm. we've got that passed in Kentucky. Uh, we've, we're on a good road to pass similar legislation in Missouri. There's a big push in New Hampshire for, for school choice legislation that's very promising. And um, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're working every step along the way and uh, we're looking forward to a few more victories there. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. And like you said, this is, this is an issue where people can have a certain political bent, but when it comes to your kid's education, I think that's one of those things. It's like, it strikes such a very specific chord with people because you're no longer talking about broad-based economics. You're no longer talking about broad-based, you know, giant swaths of the population. Oh, think about the children. It's like, oh no, think about my kid. 
When you see your child being denied educational opportunities, that's a way you really can cut through the bullshit and reach people, I think, much more prolifically because you're talking something, you know, it's like people that start charities. Nobody starts a cancer charity until they get cancer. You know, and so it's yeah, like yeah. These, this is what's happening with these kids. You know, they say they see their kids having a terrible education. They go, well, shit, you know, if it's my kid, then it's time for me to stand up and take notice. And now that now that they have the education, because I was having a little bit of a conversation, actually, I was on uh, give these guys another shout out. But I was on Biting the Bullet podcast and we were talking about whether or not you'd rather have a population that stays ignorant or uh, and then you can easily manipulate in one way or the other, or you'd rather have a population that is woken up and kind of going back and forth on that. But this is one of those issues where you can educate an ignorant population that has been completely brainwashed by mainstream uh, propaganda and unionist propaganda for so long. And now you have a chance to really break through. Yeah. You know, oftentimes I think if you if you poll school choice, it polls incredibly well. Uh, but the problem is, you know, on this issue, um, you know, sometimes it works to our advantage. Uh, but the problem on this issue is that, you know, public policy isn't actually driven by, you know, what the people yeah. want. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, they're, you know, they're, um, it's driven by, it's, it's driven by, you know, who's the loudest, who's p- applying the most pressure. And in situations like these, where you have really a concentrated benefit for teachers unions and a dispersed cost, or, you know, that we're all paying, you know, uh, through, uh, um, through the taxes we pay, right. through, yeah. through the you're not seeing that rate. you're not seeing that little tiny line item particularly stand out to you. Whereas, yeah, right. something like a tax savings or a or a student savings account or a voucher system where you're like, oh, this money is back to me. I can see this money. I can use this right. money. Yeah, it's much more tangible benefit in that way. Right. So I think the challenge we always have when we're advocating for liberty in 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 whether it's in on Washington D.C. or in our own state capital or even in your local you know city hall is, um, you know, those who are receiving very concentrated benefits at the expense of everyone else, you know, the special interests, they have a very strong incentive to, to, to lobby, to spend what they need to, to get that, to get that concentrated benefit. So we got to get the rest of the people involved in fighting back and pushing back. And that's what Young Americans for Liberty is doing. And, um, and that's why not only are we passing school choice, we're, Transitioning to the next topic, we're passing constitutional carry and and advancing gun rights across the country. Yeah, let's. I want to let's get into the constitutional carry. But you know, one question I just want to ask quickly about yeah. Young Americans for Liberty, and I don't know if you know this answer or not. I don't know if it's I don't know if you're if you're pay grade to answer this question or not. And if so, just you know, suddenly pass and, and start talking about uh, Mickey Mouse or something like that. But um, I was curious to see if you know Donald Trump obviously lost and. I was curious to ask if you've seen uh, people get a little bit disenfranchised that you're working with, if, if Young Americans Liberty, if you've seen numbers drop or if you've seen people say, you know, this is bullshit or they're so now turned off by the Joe Biden administration. What's going on there that you're seeing a bigger influx of younger people say, you know, we're fed up with this and and we want to fight back. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're actually we're having our our, our best year by a lot of metrics that we've ever had. Oh, so, awesome. this, so, so this year we're, we're having. Um, our, our, our national convention, it's going to be August 5th through the 7th in Orlando, Florida. It's revolution 2021. I will look for my invitation to speak. We actually were invited last year, but they canceled the damn thing. Yeah. Well, it was the city of Dallas canceled on us 72 hours before people were like in the air. People were flying down (laughs) city of Dallas uh, says, Oh no, COVID. 
uh, it was actually a whole long story there. We're still in the process of suing the city of Dallas. That's ongoing. As you, but, should, as you should. But uh, but but this year, we, we've gotten more applications from students to attend uh, than uh, in such a, a very quick period of time than we've ever seen. I think part of it is the fact that people are sick and tired of being stuck inside. They're sick and tired of, of, of the, COVID, the COVID tyranny. And people are just excited for an event that's in person. But also, mm-hmm. I think I think that, yeah, people are, look, when, when, when we are under a Joe Biden administration, which is an administration that kind of brings together, really, actually, when you think of it, kind of the worst of the Democrat Party For and sure. the worst elements For of the sure. Republican Party yeah. as well. Like the neoconservative movement, our, 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 our ancient enemies have like yep. gone over and joined the Joe Biden camp. Um, we're in a perfect position to to um, to be the 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 counter the counter um uh, the counter force to 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 deliver the message uh, to counter the Joe Biden administration, and we're seeing this, you know, pe- you know, piece by piece. What is his agenda? You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's um, you know, running 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 up the debt, uh, uh, more wars, uh, and going after our gun rights. And so these are all things that those of us who believe in the Ron Paul Liberty message are very well poised to uh, to counter. Yeah, most definitely. Well, one more thing too, I, and I and I want to get into the gun stuff. So, like we're talking about, you know, he exe- issued these executive orders. We'll get to in a second, but uh, just talking about, you know, the younger people getting involved. I'd voice this theory, and this is unproven. This is just kind of me talking to other people, but I've said it a few times on the show and on other podcasts. It does seem to me that, you know, maybe the older college kids, maybe they're too far gone, or the people that are you know, the millennial generation. But some of the younger people coming out of high school, some of the the, the freshmen, the sophomores in college. These people too seem to me that they're rejecting a lot of the mainstream politicians on all sides. You know, the the establishment GOP, the establishment left, and and up into and, and including the ultra progressive left, the AOCs. It's from what I've seen, a lot of them are rejecting this outward wokeism yeah. as well. Um, and I don't know if that's from a different way of learning, of a different way of not adopting mainstream media sources because they're not into you know, MSNBC, they're not watching CNN. They, they are a digital age and a digital generation. And the way in which they get their, their information is quite, quite um, removed from what we think of a, as a traditional way of learning. And I, and I'm starting to see people really push back and it comes from these people that are now 16, 17, 18, 19. So I'm curious to see if that is something you're seeing, like those age groups kind of gravitate more towards, you know, saying no more of this lockdown shit, no more infringement on my rights. And I'm not going to just adopt this wokeism. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's like you rebel against whatever the popular culture is. Right. And they're rebelling right. against what is popular culture. And that is wokeism right now. <laughs> it, 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 you know, I, I don't think that we will necessarily know for a long time, kind of the full after uh, aftermath of everything that people have been through this last year. But, but I do think just, you know, there are there, we've seen a lot of people, of course, who are just looking for government to tell them how to live, you know, day to day. Like, can I yeah. go outside? Can I not go outside? But I think we're also seeing a lot of people who are, you know, are waking up because of this and realizing how absurd this this past year has been. So I think in a certain way, there is a lot of opportunity for there to be a libertarian moment coming out of this um, that just like Ron Paul woke, you know, some, uh, me up and a lot of folks up. You know, just just the just how crazy society went over the last year during the COVID pandemic. How how much authoritarian government we got in and so quickly. I think is a, been a wake up call for a lot of people too, uh, no. who we never imagined it could get this far so quickly. 
Yeah. Well, so, and, and of course, you know, BLM, BLM riots where the cops were standing down and doing nothing. So that probably helps with mostly the, with peaceful protests as there are buildings burning in the background. <laughs> right. It's just a guy walking up as they see an anchor on fire himself. It's like, it's fine. It's peaceful. Um, so tell me about the constitutional carry wins. I do think that that, you know, that I'm sure those wins, they were without a doubt led, you're leading the charge. But I have to think that some of the gun activism that's been going on in the Biden administration and the fallout from the BLM and the cops standing down probably has made it a more fertile ground to get protections in place for gun rights. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you, I um, this is an especially uh, important issue to me. Um, you know, I was um, when I was in the state Senate, I sponsored uh, constitutional carry, and we passed it in the state of Maine. We were the sixth state in the country to pass it back in 2015. Uh, and there were all these predictions by the Michael Bloomberg-funded anti-gun, uh, anti-gun uh, groups saying that if we pass constitutional carry, which basically just means that y- you can carry a handgun uh, open or concealed without the need of a permission slip from right. your government. Right. I mean, it's it's basically it's just fulfilling what the Constitution already says that we have the right to do. Anyway, they, they told us that we would become the Wild West. There would be blood running through the streets. Literally rain bullets every Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It was just going to be like, you know, it was going to be a war zone. You know, we actually went from being the safe the second safest state in America after Vermont to becoming the top safest state in America. <laughs> um, and and four out of the top five safest states in America are all constitutional carry states. I think it kind of proves true in armed societies, a polite society. Yeah. But just. But just to kind of get kind of an understanding of how slow the progression was for a while, and we're just really speeding up really quickly, Vermont was the first constitutional carry state, and they were just constitutional carry states since like the 1700s because they just never passed any gun control <laughs> since, since they, were, they were founded. Um, you, know, uh, you know, several decades ago, Alaska became a constitutional carry state. Then like around 2010, you get Arizona, a few other states, Maine in 2015 is number six. But in the, in the span of six years, we are now at 20, uh, 14 new states have, wow. have become constitutional carry states. This year alone, Montana, where some of our, our, our Hazlitt Coalition uh, Liberty legislators were co-sponsors and helped push push that through in Montana and in Utah. Um, it was um, one of our, our our legislators there really helped with that effort uh, in Iowa. Iowa just passed it, um, and in Texas, you would think that Texas would be like the first constitutional carry <laughs> right. state. They've got they've got like this reputation for being all for gun rights. I tell you, they're not actually as good as uh, people like to think that they are. Um, but uh, but there's a real shot that Texas becomes a constitutional carry state. I was just testifying um, uh, in committee uh, on that um, earlier earlier this year. So this has happened across the country. I think that one, it's a it's a reaction to um, you know so many states have done this already, and the the sky hasn't fallen. You know, in fact, these states have become safer, not more dangerous. Yeah. Um, part of it is, of course, we we did see kind of violence in the streets over the course of the last year and people, geez, even liberals started going out and buying guns because yep. uh, they, you know, they realize um, you need to be ready to defend yourself. You never know what could happen. Um, but then of course, look, Barack Obama was the best gun salesman that America's ever seen. And Joe Biden has given him a run for his money. Yeah. Uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, Joe Biden, um, you know, coming out uh, as he did calling for uh, red flag gun confiscation, uh, calling for banning uh, people from being able to manufacture their own their own firearms, um, you know, 
let's circle back on this thing of red flag gun confiscation in case people don't understand what this is. It sounds all nice. You know, they always pitch, oh, well, you know, we're just going to take guns away from dangerous people. Well, who, who, how, how do we decide who a dangerous person is? Well, if someone reports to the government that someone is dangerous to themselves or others, okay, well, does this person get a, you know, a uh, chance to defend themselves in a court yeah, of law? Is not. there? No, no, no. <laughs> it's just the only notice you're entitled to get is the knock on your door yep. at five in the morning when government agents are there to confiscate your firearms. Yep. You know, we saw this in, in Maryland. This happened a guy named, uh, to a guy named Gary Wills. Uh, no notice. Uh, they show up at the crack of dawn. They're there to take his guns. He's confused. He, they just woke him up. He doesn't know what's going on. There's an altercation, and he, he gets shot dead in his own mm-hmm. home. Uh, so this is – this is uh, uh, when Joe Biden says that this is common sense gun control, uh, it, 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 is, uh, it, is, it is literally uh, empowering government agents to, to confiscate people's firearms with no notice, no due process. Uh, it, is, it is tyranny come home. And I have to think it's got to be like the no fly list. Once you're on it, you're on it. You know, good luck getting off of it. Good luck, you know, even know, knowing what your rights are going to be and good luck fighting back against it. I mean, this is what I was talking about. Uh, Barack Obama, like you said, best gun salesman ever. But Obama had actually tried to go into the whole you know, red flag laws and trying to get your health records released to the government. Basically, if you talk yeah. to a psychiatrist, if you were put on antidepressants, all these other things where they, that, that would be the reason to take your guns or limit your access to your Second Amendment rights. I mean, yeah. Joe Biden, I can't think that he's much different in the way that he wants to roll this yeah. out. I like you're saying, who's investigating the people calling the cops on you? You know, it's like how many it's like it reminds me of swatting people, you know, like in the uh, the video game is they'll call the SWAT team to come and raid someone's house. They don't like what's the difference if you can just call, you know, your, your pissed off ex-girlfriend calls the yeah. cops and knows you have a gun. She goes reports you and now they're knocking on your door, especially when they're and this is the case in many of these red flag proposals. There is no consequence for false reports. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're fighting this in Maine right now. Uh, there's a bill and we're going to be engaging on this. There's a bill they're trying to actually use. Um, we, we, we shot down red flag uh, gun confiscation orders really, really hard <laughs> two years ago. And um, and now they're trying to do this through um, uh, harassment, protection from harassment orders. Um, so basically, if you get a protection from harassment order against you, uh, the judge can also say, you're, we're going to take your guns away. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at this bill and I thought, you know, uh, maybe there's some due process involved until you read the statutes around this. And and this is also, uh, well, it can be it can be done um, without without a trial, with very low thresholds of evidence. It's subject to all kinds of abuse. So yeah. we're fighting back against this across the country. Um, and um yeah, I think this is yeah. this is going to be one of the major Second Amendment fights of our time. Proactively pushing constitutional carry and defending against these red flag gun confiscation laws. Yeah, well, God bless, man. Keep it up. I mean, it's it is something where, like you're saying, you know, the, the due process is removed, and also it's when you get into the red flag, you know, it, it, a lot of these things are completely subjective. You know, how do you? And this is why I don't want government involved in it. How do you? Who right. determines? Who you know what acting crazy is? I mean, we've seen things. We've seen people. Hey, file yeah. complaints on every level when people have you know not even raised their voice or you have we're in, a, in an era of microaggressions right if microaggressions are seen as something insane and crazy how can we say that somebody getting triggered or microaggressed or feeling yeah. that they are uh, under threat is something where you can now call the police yeah. and have a gun taken away it's just it is ridiculous on its face 
Yeah, and, and, and we need to be careful too. I think that sometimes even the right can fall into this trap of saying, you know, they're trying to deflect kind of the gun control. They say, oh, it's not a, it's not a gun control problem. It's a mental health problem. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I think there's some truth to that. But, but, but we need to be careful too. You know, I've seen proposals kind of building on this, but it's basically, uh, yeah, like going into people's medical records saying, you know, if, if you, uh, if you saw a psychiatrist and they diagnosed you with depression, you know, that these can be, that this can be causes for, for suspending people's second amendment rights. I think this is a problem for many reasons. One, it creates basically, you know, uh, second class citizens, uh, where if you have a mental health issue, you suddenly don't have a right to defend yourself. Uh, and two, um, this too can be very politicized. I mean, in the Soviet Union, they had something called sluggish schizophrenia, which is basically, um, you know, a mental health uh, illness you were diagnosed with, which was uh, the symptoms were basically opposition to the state. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're not far away from that. I guarantee you. Well, it's like, you know, it kind of gets into this is actually a perfect segment to one of the topics. Uh, actually, you know what? Hold on. Let me let me give a quick plug. While we're while we're segueing into into some current event stuff, let me tell you guys about another fantastic podcast called Pauls to the Wall. As I coined their new catch uh, catchphrase intro song, Pauls to the Walls. Pauls to the Wall is an awesome show hosted by two libertarian brothers. Guys, they've had an awesome guest, uh, Jason Stapleton, who we were talking about has been on the show. Gene Epstein, my nemesis for calling me the alternate host of Lions of Liberty, has been interviewed on that program, as have many other leaders in the libertarian movement. You got to listen in because these guys not only talk about libertarian concepts, but also they're funny. I've been on the show. Trust me when I tell you they like to laugh. They're, They're great, funny guys. But also they're talking about other topics in general, there's whatever pops into their minds. They could teach you how to cook a hot dog. They could teach you how to barbecue. They could teach you how to field dress, I don't know, a, a, a deer carcass. They're real men. They're real libertarians. You got to give them a listen. Paul's to the wall. I can't recommend them highly enough. Check them out. I'm sure they'll have uh, Mr. Breaky here on anytime too. I'll tell them. I'll tell them to. I'll tell them Brian sent you. They'll, I'll uh, look for the invitation. Yes, please do. And if they're listening, I'm sure they'll tweet at you immediately. So getting back into the show, um, you know, if we're talking about this uh, bleeding into, you know, the state psychosis, right? You know, state sponsored psychosis, wherein they can uh, identify you as somebody with a mental disorder of not loving the state enough. Now, this, of course, reminds me of what they're trying to do with these extremist laws, right? Okay, following the Capitol Hill riot or whatever you want to call it, the, the quote unquote insurrection, uh, if you want to be more ridiculous. But you know, following this, they have these bills, they have these initiatives they're pushing forward to try to target domestic extremists, domestic terrorists, whatever you want to call them. We just saw a fascinating instance of this playing out with AOC, everyone's favorite uh, bartending senator, wherein she had done some, you know, she does these kind of Instagram, I don't know, chats or, or somebody had interviewed her on the concept of Israel and Palestine. She did not take enough of a pro-Palestine stance, you know, and, and an anti-war activist, who I guess is a podcaster, a guy that's definitively on the left, had criticized her on his own feed. He gets a knock on his door a couple of days later from the California Highway Patrol, right, CHIPS officers, who had been sent by the Capitol Police. And the reason, mm. because they said he was a threat to AOC. What are your thoughts on this? Are, are we already getting here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to see those particular comments that he made. I mean, I guess if there was like they a legitimate- weren't, I, they were yeah, not. I'm telling you, I, I watched like a quick video and I thought it was because I, I, uh, 
I just saw it and I I was I emailed you a couple of times. I should have sent it to you, but it yeah, was yeah. it was nothing crazy. It was just kind of like the general like I can't believe she didn't say more about this. Like he wasn't like wow. AOC. I'm gonna come. So he's not know, like he's not like dry balls out anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> nothing like that. I mean, it was it was far less than anything I say every week on the show. I guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, geez, you know. We should watch out for the knock on your door then. I know, right? In the middle. Of, how great would it be if they came in and dragged me out of the middle of this and you just had to host the rest of the show? <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but, uh, but no, it, it is uh, it's it is it is very alarming kind of just how quickly things are escalating. I'll tell you, I mean, I was concerned, you know, last year when when, you know, folks on the right were calling for you know, Antifa to be kind of designated a terrorist organization, not because I'm a fan of Antifa, I'm not, um, but but because I just thought, geez, well, that's, you know, the reason that you label a group a terrorist organization is in order to be able to get around their constitutional rights yeah. when it comes to kind of uh, arresting, detaining, and, 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 and ending kind of their activities. Um, and so I'm all, certainly all for, hey, you know, if someone's beating someone with a club in the street or, or burning someone's building down, arrest that person. They should be put on trial and they should go to jail for it. But but um, but we've gone from uh, talking about labeling Antifa terrorist uh, ter- uh, terrorist organization to now if you are a constitutionalist or someone who yeah. believes uh, or someone who questions the election results, you are being kind of lumped in. As a, as a, as a domestic terrorist, yep. this is it's a it's a very dangerous road that we're going down, and um, uh, it, you know, it, it's it's like all the tactics, everything they've built for the foreign war on terror is is coming home, and uh, we thought that we were safe because we were American citizens, but gradually, uh, I mean, gradually we've seen those those protections disappear. We thought that we were safe when we were passing the uh, the Patriot Act. Uh, well, this, yeah. this would never be used against us. This is about <laughs> going after those people overseas. And before you know it, we're finding out that all of our digital records are being are being um, are being collected, and we're all being spied on under under this law. So, uh, yeah, the the infrastructure that they build overseas to go after to go after terrorists, I'm very concerned uh, as as they start labeling us terrorists here at home because we don't uh, uh, because we don't we, we don't comply with uh, with their tyrannical government. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems to me that the definition, and this goes back to Obama, like you talk about the Patriot Act, but also Obama, of course, accelerated all of these things. You know, Obama had famously removed the right to habeas corpus for Americans. You know, he drone bond Americans without giving them a trial. He also had put in that, that very amorphous phrase, enemy combatant, right? That was whoever was America's enemy was an enemy combatant. Yeah, undefinable. Could be here, could be there. Whatever it was, if you were one of them, they could come to your house, they could take you away, you could be gulagged, and we're seeing an extension of that for sure. And to your point, I also opposed Antifa being declared a terrorist organization. That once you get down that path, it's hard to claw your way back right. out of it. And right, and I and I think oh, hold on, your uh, your mute your uh, mute is on. Oh, it's not on over here. Oh, never mind. Your mute's not on. I am just stupid. <laughs> okay, hey, you said so. it, not me. <laughs> um, now I'm trying to remember what, what my point was. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so I think kind of one one of the things that we always have to remember is you know each side is always trying to use the apparatus of the state against the other side. Yep. And so when our people are in power, we say, all right, let's give the state more power to go against those other folks. 
But eventually those other folks get control of the government. And now it's being used against us. Well, we need to remember, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but what we need to remember is that uh, every time we hand more power over to the state, uh, we're handing power over to our enemies because, because even in those rare instances where maybe we win the White House or we win, we win, we're, we're in control for a moment. I mean, well, let's not I don't be know, silly. I, mean. I don't know when libertarians have ever been in charge. Maybe not since uh, not since the, uh, the 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 Declaration of Independence, and that only yeah, lasts exactly. Um, but um, but conservatives need to get this through their head too. Is that every time you hand power over to the state when your guys are in charge? You're handing power over to Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi because they're going to eventually be in charge, as we see right now. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, we're looking at at Joe Biden having this committee to review whether or not the Supreme Court should be changed, whether or not to add seats to the Supreme Court. It buys into that exact same concept of let's change the rules because we're in power. We want to we want to try to even out Trump's picks by expanding the seats on on the court. Okay, fine. But again, some of these justices are going to retire down the road. Who knows what's going to get put into power? We're just going to, have to keep expanding it or getting rid of the filibuster. You know, the same same issues. Yeah. Anytime there's a lowering of the bar for what it takes to get something done, I'm upset. And, and, and I think everybody should should pretty much adopt that exact same philosophy. And like you're saying, anytime these things happen, it's always more power to the state. You know, if Joe Biden starts adding additional people to the court, and this isn't going to end, before you know it, we're going to have a hundred, oh yeah, <laughs> hundred Supreme <laughs> Court justices. Every presidential administration is going to up the other way. It's like kind of like executive orders. You know, first right. there was only a few executive orders issued by a presidential administration. Now we're like thousands and thousands are generated by every administration. Where the same thing would happen. Uh, you know, uh, if 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 Biden set this precedent here, yeah. Why would you not? I mean, why would you not? It's already been set. No point. The bill's yeah. already broken. Yeah, uh, well, let's it, talk it, real quick. A, a couple of quick, quick topics to get into too, because um, I know we're we're running out we're a little, little bit of time. So I wanted to talk about vaccines, uh, and mm-hmm. and basically, you know, I don't want to get into the whole efficacy of which vaccines work or don't work, or you know, I don't know. If you're getting vaccines, go for it. You feel a reason to get vaccinated, go for it. I personally probably will not. Have you opted to get one yet? Or have you gotten the jab? Uh, no, I haven't. I don't even know if I qualify. I mean, I'm young and healthy. I, yeah. Anyway, it, it hasn't been a priority of mine. I don't feel like I need it. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm in the exact same boat. And yeah. if, if always... I was, yeah, if I was in like, if I was like an older person with underlying health conditions, I might consider it. I'm not against yeah. it as a rule, but I, I, I don't feel like it's, uh, I, I haven't been convinced that that it's something that I need. I'm in the same boat. And it's funny, I, I, a buddy of mine, Dan Spots over at the System is Down pod, he had been posting, uh, you know, it's like, I guess the Pfizer vaccine, you have a 0.001 chance percent of dying from the vaccine. And it's the exact same percent as you basically have dying from COVID if you got it at our age. So <laughs> why? It's the same chance. But, uh, you know, the, the worry, of course, is that we're, we're creating this case society or caste society, wherein you've got the vaccinated who are able to go around. They're able to have access to to all of the uh, the amenities that we're used to. They're able to travel. They're able to buy groceries, you know, yada, yada, on and on. And how that creates a, you know, a very definitive line in society. And people say, this is ridiculous. You guys are crazy, you libertarians. But yet we see this play out specifically where a volcano has just erupted, right? I don't know if you've been following this story, but there's a volcano. Yeah, this is crazy. So a volcano erupted on the island of St. Vincent, Vincent, right? And this had been dormant for decades, this big volcano. 
So it erupts six mile high ash sulfur. Basically, you're living in hell, right? You're being ash is falling around your heads and, and blanketing your children. And you just want to get the fuck out of Dodge at this point, understandably so. So Carnival, you know, they've got cruise ships sitting around. They're not using them right now, obviously. So they say, we'll help. They send the cruise ships over to St. Vincent. And they're going to say, let's load them up. We'll get people out of there. We'll save them. You know, there's a lot of danger. This this island, this volcano. Then the prime minister comes in and he goes, no, 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 no. Hold on. Only vaccinated people are able to get on the cruise ships to leave the burning island. So you're literally seeing the real life situation play out of people. Basically, if you didn't get a jab of a vaccine for a virus that you're, you know, 99% survival rate under the age of 75, you are now doomed to possibly die in a lava flow. Your thoughts? <laughs> what do you even say to that? I, you know, it's it, it, it it's amazing to me just how absurd things have gotten so quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, it, look, it, it, it seems to me that, look, uh, you know, I'm not against people getting the vaccine. If you want to get the vaccine, you should have every freedom to do it. I wanted to be them to be available, accessible to everyone who wants one. Um, and once we're at that point where it's available and accessible to everyone, whether people get it or not, we should be free to open up and just resume right. our lives. Because at that point, everyone who wants the vaccine has got it. And those who want to take the risk. They, they, those who think the the risk of, of of COVID is less than the risk of the vaccine to them, they could be making the right decision or wrong decision, but that's their risk to take on themselves. Uh, it's it, but it's amazing to me to see that even even uh, as even at, at, even with the vaccines, uh, they're saying that uh, well, we're going to have yep. to keep wearing masks and keep staying under these lockdown orders. Yeah, it just kind of goes to show no no government ever gives up power once they yeah. have it. Yeah, we've exactly. got to demand it back. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the terror of the vaccine passports, because once you have it, and they're talking now about software updates, right? That's the way we're supposed to look at the vaccines, software updates. So now you get to go in and get a jab every three months. The government continuously is going to track you wherever you go. They're going to continuously have access to your health information. I mean, this is a terrifying prospect and yeah, on all the, the, fronts. And yeah, you treat cattle. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, but to your point, it's, this is a, a circumstance which is so absurd to literally deny people rescue because they do not have a needle jab. And they said, even if you're recently vaccinated, you can't go on the boat because you might be woozy. So again, what, what are you talking about? I got lava rolling down the hill, go, covering up my cat right now. I've got a, a cat, you know, a, a freaking, what do you call it? You, Fossilized cat in front of me. <laughs> and you won't let me on the fucking boat. You, you know, it, it, it it's kind of almost like a perfect metaphor for this last year though. It's like here we got, you know, suicide rates spiking. Uh, people are, you know, from these from these lockdowns, you know, opioid overdose like spiking yep. all these problems, uh, you know, kids losing losing a year of, of school. And so like all these harms done by the lockdowns. And now we have literal volcanoes erupting and lava <laughs> coming at people. It's like, no, no, the only danger we're allowed to get th- think about is COVID. Forget right. everything else. Forget the kids. Forget the, the the suicides. Forget the lava coming right at you. COVID's the only real threat we're concerned about here. Well, and and it's 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 uh it's yeah, it's kind of a, a perfect metaphor for everything it, we've been it through. It is absolutely perfect. It also makes me wonder, I, I don't know if you're a religious man or not, but it makes you think of uh, Joe versus the volcano. And they had to sacrifice to his God. It's an old Tom Hanks movie, but it just reminds me of like the old volcano sacrifices. Maybe the, uh, you know, the cabal of elites, the lizard people who are, uh, you know, taking the adrenochrome. Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they know that we need to make a sacrifice to this volcano God. And that's the only way we're getting out of this COVID shit. So they're like, sorry, 
a lot of you are going to have to stay on this island and get eaten by the lava. It's just the way it is. If we want to get it back makes, to normal, we, you got to break some eggs. It makes more sense than a lot of the stuff I've heard so far this <laughs> that, past year. <laughs> that would be the only logical reasoning I, I think I could get behind. Uh, okay, one more story real quick. One more one more laugher, and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. Uh, Marxist founder of Black Lives Matter, whose name is, I just pulled it up, Patrice Khan Colors, who is the exact same woman that had inked a television deal with Warner Brothers TV. She just bought a $1.4 million house in Topanga Canyon here in Los Angeles, which is one of the whitest areas in all of Los Angeles. I think it has a black population of 1%. Have you been yeah. a bigger hypocrite? Have you, have you, what, are your, what are your thoughts of this woman? I don't know. I'm around a lot of politicians, so I, <laughs> that's I, true. <laughs> she's up there, you know. I, I don't know this. I don't know. It certainly sounds pretty hi- hypocritical, but I, you know, I think this is kind of one of the. I think the sad things about um, a, a lot of these movements is, you know, look. I, I think that you know there are some real legitimate grievances that folks who you know got involved in the Black Lives Matter movement had. You know, mm-hmm. there's real incidents of police brutality and lack of accountability, and those are things that need to be taken seriously and addressed. And you know, we need to. And libertarians, I think, have some of the best solutions uh, that God we can right. you know, work, work, work on there. Uh, but you you always have these these folks who come along who just um, take, take advantage, take advantage of these movements, take advantage of the people who are looking for real solutions and just use it as an opportunity to cash in for themselves. So I hope that, uh, those who, uh, you know, have invested and, and, and were involved in black lives matter because they believe in the, in that movement. I hope that they look at some of these leaders taking advantage of them and their dollars that they put into it, uh, and, and realize that they've been had and hold those people accountable. Yeah, you'd really hope so. And, and like you're saying, you know, when Black Lives Matter started, they uh, you know, it started with a different set of of rules and uh, and goals than where it ended. I don't know if you saw back in the day. I actually had read a bunch of them off, and they are, I mean, about eight out of ten of them were things that libertarians would go, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And by the time it finished, it was all Marxist bullshit. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's, somewhere in there, it's like yeah, single payer health care became one yeah, of the demands. Right? <laughs> what, yeah. what is what is this? Ha- white, you know, white it, property people had to give up their property if they were white. Got in there, you know, it's just all sorts of crazy. Right. It reminds me a little bit of like you know when the Tea Party was going on. Like the Tea Party started. It's like, hey, this is about you know yep. the economy, and it's about these damn bank bailouts, and they're trying to take over our health care and all this and all that. And before you know it, there's people. It's like, and it's and then it's suddenly <laughs> it's about immigration, and there's like, where, where's abortion coming into the, all things that. We can yep. all have legitimate opinions on, but that's not what the Tea Party was about. And, and, and so you you kind of see, I think, some of these kind of organic grassroots movements, uh, people come in who have their own agendas and, and uh, you know, do what they can to co-opt it. Yep. Without a doubt, man. So, yeah, hopefully this wakes some people up. And hopefully, to your point, we get to see some people pushing back. You know, Maj Teray does awesome work, obviously, in getting black gun rights at the forefront. You know, I'm not sure if you've been working with him at all, reached out to him to see if there's anything you could do with kind of teaming up in some of the black communities. But, you know, it is amazing that they try to, you know, Black Lives Matter wants to defund the police. And not not that I'm a fan of, of police in general or police unions, you know, privatize them all. But it is interesting to see that the, the communities that are most affected by defunding the police are black communities. And they're also yeah. the more against it than majority of communities, like 75% of black communities are against defunding the police. They, you know, that gun having gun ownership in these communities would help. It goes on and on. And of course, BLM yeah. as a platform would be against and, and school choice. They'd be against school choice. They'd be for, you know, gun restrictions and they would be for defunding the police. All things yeah. that were count contrary to everything that the movement should stand for. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at support for things like school choice among the black black communities, especially urban communities, who mm-hmm. get a real raw deal for their kids and education. And you know, it, it reminds me, kind of ironically, I think there's so much uh, of kind of white liberals uh, white splaining to the black yeah. community, telling them you know uh, what's in their best interests. Uh, rather than actual, you can look at the polling numbers and 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 see support for things like school choice. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what else is new? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like white splaining. I'm gonna start using that more. Do you think that up or do you steal that? <laughs> I I think I've I've heard the left use that term against folks on the right, but I th- I'm, uh, but uh, well, <laughs> oftentimes the white liberals are just as guilty of it. As yeah, I, I think I think by others. far. By far more so. Well, let's start using it. All right. Well, <laughs> final thoughts. Where can people find you, follow you? Where can they help out what you're doing and what you're working on? Yeah. So you can follow me as an individual at uh, on Twitter, with Senator Brakey. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can also check out Young Americans for Liberty at yaliberty.org. If you're interested, if you're a young person and you're interested in attending our national convention, Revolution 2021, in uh, Orlando, Florida, we're going to have some big speakers, a lot of student activists, our great liberty legislators. Um, then you can you can uh, you can apply to attend on our website at yaliberty.org. And of course, uh, we're always looking for more people to get involved in the fight, help uh, make liberty win, win elections, and um, uh, and, and uh, you know take the fight into the state capitals. Uh, you can sign up um, uh, for. We got plenty of job opportunities for young activists. You can sign up there at yaliberty.org as well. Awesome. And I expect that speaking invite. So work on it, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put in a good word for you, Brian. Like I said, we were invited last year. So it's already, somebody out there already knows about us. (laughs) All right, man. Well, this has been fun. Awesome taking to talk to you to some one-on-one instead of in a a panel format. So good to, uh, to hear all the things you've been doing and we'll definitely do it again, my friend. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. There you go. Big thanks to Eric Brakey for coming on. Love that guy. And you know what else I love? Coffee. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the jitters it gives me. I love the heart palpitations I get after I go and work out at the gym. But you know what? One of the coffees that I think avoids that helps me because it's so damn good and so damn smooth. Doesn't give me the heart palps is Lorenzotti Italy. You can find that at Lorenzotti.coffee. And if you use promo code ROAR, you get 10% off your order. Check these guys out. They're libertarian entrepreneurs who found the best beans. They literally went to Italy, sought them out, brought them home and have made quite the coffee for you. And uh, of course, have been longtime supporters of this show and are members of our Lions of Liberty Pride. So check them out, Lorenzotti.coffee. Not only that, though, they're entrepreneurs. They also can help you if you want to try to get a coffee business off the ground. They can help you with financing. They can help you with getting that machine in if you want to start your little coffee shop up. Now that we're welcoming society back to uh, the way it used to be. So check them out again. Promo code ROAR to get 10% off your order at Lorenzotti.coffee. Otherwise, guys, that's going to wrap it up for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty. Uh, Always remember to listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with his flagship show. And let us never forget that Monday's show this past week, Mark was on there doing a little bit of a ask me anything and admitted that he has, and I quote, the utmost respect for Brian McWilliams. Mm. Touching, heartfelt, tearing up a little bit. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and of course, I'm here on Wednesdays. John Odermatt wraps it up with Finding Freedom on Fridays. If you haven't checked that out with the new format, you owe yourselves uh, to do that. Get inspired, get touched, not in the way the priests do it, but in the good way. 
and uh, and find your freedom with John. And guys, remember to join our pride. I am doing my awesome, hilarious daily rants on one topic that's not going to make it into the show per week, or actually per day, and uh, just ranting on topics that come across the old dashboard here on my computer. I'm doing those daily. It is called Good Morning Fuckhead, and uh, I'll play you the intro song on the way out just so it gets stuck in your head. And you can join as little as $5, guys, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Join us, won't you? And then come join us in the private Lions of Liberty Facebook forum, which Eric Brakey is in, so he can uh, chat with you. Come say hi to my guest today. All right, guys, peace out. Good morning, fuckheads. Good morning, fuckhead. Who's the fuckhead? Is it me or is it you? I don't know. Let's talk about crap. Good morning, fuckhead.